You guys know about Finn, longtime supporter of Rebel Radio. They're my virtual assistant service that I use. Right now I'm planning a family trip. We're going to Italy this fall. I've been using Finn to research flights, hotels, things to do in uh, different cities around Italy. By the way, if you have tips, hit me with a note. I'd love to hear your favorite things to do in Italy. But um, Finn's my on-demand assistant. They, it does tasks for me that I don't want to do, I don't need to do. Let's me focus my time where I'm going to have the greatest impact. You can use it for things like paying bills, making phone calls, remembering dates, uh, booking restaurants, all that, all that kind of stuff that needs to get done, but it doesn't have to get done by you. What I love about it most, you can use the mobile app. You can send them an email. You can get them on the website. I think you can even call them if you wanted to. It's really handy um, and it's saving me countless hours in my weeks. Go to fin.com rebel and you get to try Finn for free just for listening to Rebel Radio. That's fin.com R-E-B-E-L. Get a free trial of Finn. Finn.com rebel. Yo, 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 yo. It's Rebel Radio, DJ Revolution. It's only right that the revolution is joined by the rebel and the rebel is joining the revolution. So, you know, here we are. Rebel Radio, DJ Revolution. I'm out, peace. Yo, Josh, man, fuck you. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show bringing you new music every week from the homies over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine, and check it out. My guest this week is DJ Revolution. You might know him as the DJ from the world-famous Wake Up Show, the BET Master of the Mix Show, his many, many uh, productions and mixtapes. He's a guest instructor at the Scratch Academy. We went over to Scratch and uh, recorded this interview there between all the turntables, mixers, and... Uh, all that great DJ energy, and we got some great stories from Rev about really just striving to be the best. He's, he's competitive, he's driven, um, he tells us kind of how he's worked his way up from, from, from the ground to, uh, to where he is today, being, you know, named favorite DJ of, of many of our favorite DJs. Um, he also tells us about why he's always been solo instead of being part of a DJ crew. Really great lessons and, and great perspectives from DJ Revolution coming up on Rebel Radio right after our EDM.com track of the week. Check it out. Even die for you, baby Lately I've been feeling crazy, yeah You 
trying to play me on the other side. You got me running on, you got me running, baby. You know, sometimes I gotta let go. And back in, I'm lost, and you know, almost a bad let you go. They just went back on you. Oh, that was Kevmo with Running Up, the EDM.com track of the week. Get over to EDM.com, check out new music. And right now, let's get into the interview with DJ Revolution. Thanks for doing this, man. I'm excited to yeah, chop it up with you. Man. I've been, you know, I definitely have listened to the podcast a few times, man. Right so, yeah, know, I mean, Scratch has represented, you know, we had Hoppa on, we had Chaka on a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, this is definitely, you know, part of our, our home. So yeah, yeah. appreciate you welcoming us. Yeah, room. man. You know, I just it's, I just was, man, looking through all this shit that I missed when I was moving. There's yeah. like a whole two months of my life that just that right? disappeared when I was moving. Because I had to move, build my studio again in the backyard yeah. from scratch. Like at the building, like the literally built a mini oh, wow. house in yeah. the back. And... You know, move my whole family and my kids and all this stuff. So shit fell through the cracks, man. Of course. So, but yeah, course. I'm here now. That's cool, man. Well, I'm excited to get into it. I, um, you know, I've I've been following you since the Wake Up Show, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know, even doing some research. I didn't. There's a bunch of stuff you're doing that I didn't even know about, and so I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Cool, man. Um, yeah. Tell me though, how how you got started. Uh, I know we were talking about, you know, coming from the East Coast and, mm-hmm. and all that, but um, do you remember uh, g- getting into music as a kid? Do you remember the first record you ever bought? Yeah, the first record I ever bought was, um, I want to say, a Billy Idol 7-inch. Oh, shit. Yeah, I think it was Rebel Yell. Yeah. <laughs> And then I would just, you know, at that point, I was taking allowance money. I was living with my grandparents at the time up in New Hampshire, and um, I was taking allowance money that I would get from, like, doing chores. And, and I would go down to this place called the Dartmouth Bookstore, and in the basement they had a record store. And, you know, I was, like, 11 or 12 years old. So yeah. I was like, I want to I buy records. My grandfather sure. had given me a bunch of beat-up stuff from his attic and told me how to hook it up. And I was like, this is amazing. I need to press buttons. I want to make music spin around and listen to it. Yeah. And more importantly, I wanted to be the cool kid. Because no, none, none of my other friends were doing that in school. Sure. Like, who had turntables right. and records? Rebel Radio is brought to you by Casper. You know you spend one-third of your life sleeping, and if you don't have a good night's sleep, it's just a mess. You're not going to be productive. You're going to be grumpy. You're going to make bad decisions. There's all kinds of problems associated with not getting a good night's sleep. I know for me, as I get a little bit older, sad to say it becomes harder and harder sometimes to get a good night's sleep. But I got this Casper mattress with supportive memory foam, a breathable design so I don't get too hot at night. I know in other beds I used to get super hot. I was sinking into the bed, all that stuff. Casper fixes all of that. And they now make three mattresses. There's the original, They got the Wave, which is a step up to a premium foam that contours specifically to your curves. Or if you're price sensitive, there's the Essential. 
You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. There's free shipping and hassle-free returns, but I think you're going to love it. And I'm going to hook you up. Get over to Casper.com slash Rebel Radio and use the code Rebel Radio at checkout. You're going to get $50 towards select mattresses. Please note this offer is only applicable to select mattresses and terms and conditions apply. That's Casper.com slash Rebel Radio. Use the promo code Rebel Radio at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. So I would take my, my allowance money, go to the bookstore, and I'd buy like pop rock records because that's what was hidden in the 80s. Like, you know, yeah. Billy Idol, Madonna, yeah. you know, I even shit like Twisted Sister and okay. like weird stuff, you know? I, and bought then, it, I bought it. I have a Billy Idol seven inch. I think it was White Wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had like Van Halen okay. albums, and like then I started. That was my entry point. Was like pop music. You know, it was yeah. very accessible, and it was so big in the eighties, sure. and it was very, I was very impressionable. Michael Jackson was just starting to come to get to the thriller level. Yeah. You know, so do you remember falling in love with hip hop for the first time? Um, yeah, I don't know if it was like you could say fallen in love with it but the first time i was completely blown away i was listening to well there was a couple times first time was i was living in new york and i went to this um summer camp and um a bunch of the kids you know they broke out in the middle of the lunch recess they broke out on the playground with the the cardboard uh-huh. and shit and hit, hit the big boom box and yep. just started going crazy and it was the first time i saw that and heard the variety of different electro hip hop songs yeah. that were out that I had never been exposed to. Sure. All I had heard was like stuff that had been on the radio that had that tinge to it, like Shaka Khan mm-hmm. and you know, like mm-hmm. Shannon and stuff like that. But that was hearing like Nucleus and then I was hearing like Mantronics and okay. all this other stuff that I didn't know about. I was like, oh shit, there's more of this stuff? Yeah. Okay, gotta do some research. Yeah. And plus the way that they were, you know, spinning and you know just having an incredible time with this music and everybody was just so smitten with it you know man you're taking me back yeah and so I remember those days vividly yeah and, and so you know it made you want to get the cardboard even though That's I right. was terrible at it but I did you know I tried but do your best right so that was one moment that I think the the more impressionable moment was when I was in living in New Hampshire once again and I was listening to a college radio station and they played The Adventures of Grandmaster Flash on the Wheels of Steel. didn't play when it, like it was out it was like a throwback yeah, was like, like a yeah, classic yeah. you know that's yeah. that's an old record but yeah. i had never heard it because I, I was 12 years old right so that record came out probably when i was like seven or 80 you know yeah something like yeah. that so anyway i heard this and i heard the record i recognized the the songs that they were playing but then when i heard the scratching on top of it and two records playing together and then these sound bites and snippets i just lost I just was over at that uh-huh. point. I was like, why isn't everyone else talking about this? This is incredible. Who who did this? Yeah. And that was the entry to the rabbit hole right there. Okay. That was what made me just say, all right, fuck all this other music that I was listening to. This is 
they're making new music with already existing music on i just i don't know the whole thing just blew me away yeah and that was it you know yeah. so i i don't know it was the point that i fell in love with it but I, that was the point that kind of took me down that road for that's sure that's big yeah yeah that's big Double Radio is brought to you by Audible. Man, I got to tell you, I'm a huge reader, actually a huge listener of audiobooks. Audible is one of my favorite apps on my phone. I use it on a daily basis, and it's definitely one of the one of the game changers of having that phone in my pocket. I listen to more books driving at the gym, even on my bike. It just gives me a ton of reading time that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I'm, I'm, I'm climbing through Audible's massive selection of books. Right now, I just finished The Upside of Stress. I cannot recommend this book highly enough for anybody that's dealing with stress in your life, whether it's a business, raising a family. Uh, if you're in school, there's a lot of her research. is about test-taking anxiety. It's about um, all of the stuff that happens in our life that causes stress and why it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing if we put it to work for us. That's just one of many books that I'm, I'm going through out of uh, Audible's massive selection. I love in the app, you can send books to friends. I've sent, I've sent that book to a few friends already. I also love that you can speed up or slow down the listening. Some books you don't really care about the story, you just want the information. So I'll kind of blow through those at a uh, time and a half or something like that. And now I'm gonna hook you up. Go to audible.com slash R-E-B-E-L or text REBEL to 500. 500, you're going to get a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial of Audible just for being a Rebel Radio listener. That's audible.com slash rebel or text rebel to 500-500. And then, and then who put you on the turntables first? Uh, well, you know, I was quote-unquote on turntables at that time when I had heard those records, you know, when I was mm -hmm. going down and spending my allowance money. But it was mismatched. There was one, yeah, like, yeah, sure. old techniques and then one realistic. And my, my grandfather built me my first mixer out of scrap metal in his, in his workshop. He was wow. a master electrician. So I watched him build it and weld it and do it. And he showed me all the, the wires and the transistors and all that. So I had turntables, but it was far from what yeah. people think of, of conventional DJ. Like I was this. just pressing start and stop right um but then after but were that you playing for people i was playing for people okay i was playing for my sixth grade class uh -huh. i did like the, the year-end party yeah. I, I set up two fisher price turntables with the speakers on the back you know the ones you flip yeah, open yeah, and the yeah. speakers on the back so yeah. i had two of them back to back and i was playing all my seven inches out the window of the classroom incredible while people were having like sandwiches and stuff right. and then i played like my friend's birthday party he was turning like 13 or something, and that was the first time that I hardcore denied a request, <laughs> and it was his birthday request, <laughs> and he just started bawling when I just no wouldn't way. play the record. What yeah. was the song? I don't even remember what it was, but it was something that I was just not going to play. Yeah. Um, but anyway, then his mom came over to me, and it was a big scene and everything. And wow. Anyway, yeah, so I was already playing for people, and I was making mixtapes, if you want to call them that, for my classmates as well, because, again, they didn't have turntables. Right. They didn't have the know-how to record the music, for where sure. to find it. Everything that a DJ was supposed to do, I was already doing. I just didn't know I was supposed to be doing it. Yeah. So I was recording the mixes. like so. And for instance... Somebody would come to me and be like, hey, man, I like this song, this song, and this song. Can you make me a tape? Mm -hmm. Cool. Came back. Two days later, 
here's the tape. Where's my $10? Yeah. Bam. So I just started hustling, you know, very early on. So I was playing for people, but not in the, the sense that you might think right. of what yeah. a hip-hop DJ is. So sure. definitely was in front of people, you know, fake talking on the mic, like I was pretending to be an announcer and shit. You know, all the stuff a kid would do Yeah. if you give him the right tools and, the, you know, a room by himself. Absolutely. So I was having fun, man. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was fun. Um, when, when did you realize that this was going to be your career? Was there like a was there like a first break? Mm, you know, it wasn't one moment or one series of events. It was kind of like over a couple of years, things that people were saying to me, things that were happening to me. You know, when I would get on in front of people, even just in like project community halls. You know, like I would go play in some mm-hmm. gr- grimy ass projects, mm-hmm. and they would run out the we run out the community hall in the projects and just have jams or run out of armory in some shitty town and have jams and there would be a lot of people there and they, it was they it was all amazing feedback yeah. you know and I was young yeah, yeah, too yeah. you know I was like yeah. it's just fun yeah I was like man okay this is this is better than I thought it would be you know and I was already trying starting to make money but yeah I had no aspirations to like make it my career but um you know it was a series of you know, gigs on top of a series of things happening in my life. You know, people telling me all the time when they would hear me come over to my house and they would they would hear me scratch. They'd be like, "Man, you need to be making records, man. Mm-hmm. What, what what the fuck are you doing in this town? Like, get out of here. Yeah, just take this somewhere else. You know, yeah. you need to be on records because I would be showing off like new scratches to people, and I was like 15, and I was like scratching over Jazzy Jeff's records, but doing it better than that was on the record and yeah. they would be, they would be they were blown away and i was like yeah all right you know you're 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 hearing it too it's not just me so you know i started to really start to sink in like damn i need to chase this down sure um because i was pretty good pretty early on and um yeah i wasn't like i need to make this my career i just didn't want to do anything else mm-hmm. you know so i had to kind of find a way to turn this into something and I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to go, you know, I didn't want to go to high school. I was already making more money right. than a lot of people's, you know, aunts and uncles and big brothers because I was hustling. Yeah. I had a job. I was, you know, DJing. So, you know, it just, and it was teaching me things. I was getting a lot more satisfaction from it than just money and attention. Sure. I was learning, you know, I was learning about life, learning about different cultures, people, learning how to make music. So... It was just giving me everything. So I just had to find a way to flip that into what I was going to do for the rest of my life, yeah. one way or another. Yeah. You know, whether it was DJing, producing, mixing records, mastering records, something had to circle around this, uh-huh. you know? What, uh-huh. That was the sun. I had to be in the orbit, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. So. And so when did that start to feel like a reality? Like, like it, like, so that was the vision, right? Yeah. So when did you see, like, oh, okay, this can actually work? You know, when I got out here and I started to see, you know, what I was doing, take, have, have, get some traction. When I got on the radio and people started paying attention, sure. like immediately. That's my wake up show. Yeah. yeah. Even before that, you know, I would send tapes around. Like the first time I got on the, sh- on the radio out here was on Julio G's oh, show. Okay, yeah. um, you know, him and his talent manager for the show invited me on the show. Because I don't know, I think they heard a tape from somebody somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
I can't quite remember how they traced it back to me, but somehow, yeah. I think it was Zenobia. Zenobia was okay. the person that was running his booking yeah, yeah, guests yeah. and stuff. So, so, you know, I was on the show and I, I did well, you know, and then yeah. people started paying a little bit more attention to me. I started circulating tapes. I was show, just popping up at everybody's club gig, dying to get on. Mm -hmm. Yo, let me get on for like 10 minutes. Let me get on for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And I was just doing that all over town, just trying to put my face around, hanging around with people. And then when people started liking it and liking me, and I started building a fr friendships with people around town, um, you know, I started to feel real. But it didn't really take hold until I got on the Wake Up Show. You know, okay. when I got on the, I, I got on the beat. So for for people that don't know the Wake Up Show, mm -hmm. right? Like I, you know, I I've been listening to it. You know, I listened to it all all the way through. Mm. You know, uh, how do you describe, you know, when you meet people now that, that don't understand the wake-up show, like, how do you describe the significance of that show? Um, it's very, it's difficult if they don't have any other points of reference either. Like, if, if I can't, if they don't know what Stretch and Bobbito's right. show was. Well, we had Stretch or, and Bobbito on the show. Yeah, so and, if you don't know yeah. what they did, yeah, because... If someone had never heard of the wake-up show and they had heard of Stretch and Bob, I'd be like, you know what, Stretch and Bob, right? Well, it was right. kind of similar. Yeah. Um, but it was the West Coast. Yeah, but it was on the West Coast and then it got syndicated and, you know, we took it all over the world and did tours and stuff. And so it definitely grew longer legs, but, you know, that is a point of reference. You never heard Future Flavors, Molly Maul, Pete Rock. You never right. heard, you know. Of course. So if they don't know that, it's hard because... But I, th I think to me, it's like, you know, this was a time when hip hop wasn't everywhere. Mm, yeah. Right. When, you know, if you're, I'm a little bit older than you, but if you're at a certain, if you're of a certain generation, it's like you walk into a room and there's the other hip hop kid. Yeah. And you definitely. form a bond over that. Right. Whether Absolutely. It's the sneakers or the hat or just the bonds the are tighter, too. Yeah, for you're sure. Not, that's, because they're not you were, fleeting. Right. Because there was no industry. There was no industry and there was no like, you know, g growing up. Going to high school as a hip hop kid, that wasn't the norm. You no, were an outlier. Oh, right, for sure. And so, um, so those shows were so important because they, were they the spread outlet. the culture, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you didn't live in a major city, you know, L.A., New York, San Francisco, whatever, yep. then that was your only way Definitely. to hear that music Getting and to those tapes, man. Getting yeah. those tapes. You know, when I was on the East Coast, not living in New York, the way I got my music was tapes from New York. Yeah. All the mixtape DJs, yeah, Kick yeah, Capri, yeah. Tony Touch, Duop, SNS, yeah. Juice, like all these guys that were making tapes, Ron G, all those guys. Mm -hmm. I got all the new music from them. Sure. Way before like Clue and all those guys started selling a shitload of mixtapes. Yeah. So before the radio show, it was the mixtape. And then out here on the West Coast, on the beat, you know, that was the that was it. Yeah. You know, power was was into the hip hop. Right. commercially before the sure. beat yeah. but when you know when you think about hip-hop in LA and where things started it was that you know so when Swantec came down from the bay and started their show here in LA you know it definitely changed the landscape a lot you know um, they had their own share of things that they had to deal with with being outsiders to LA as well of course but I'm sure you know that show um, man it traveled so far and wide and so, it struck so, a chord with so many different people on so many different levels, on the DJ level, the music level, the education level, 
um, you know, knowledge about, you know, the industry and how things worked and how things got broken down. For me, that was my college and still is, yeah, you know, sure. still doing it. But it's like at the end of the day, like you said, before there was, quote unquote, the Internet, that was it. Yeah. You know, that show right. here on the beat and then on power and then on, you know, on the Internet and now on Shade 45 is still doing the same thing, you know. Yeah. It's still curating and filtering music for the masses that still appreciate that style of music that they can't find anywhere because it takes a lot more to find it. Yeah. Now you have yeah, to, yeah. you got to cut through so much noise to be able to find it. Right. You know, so it's so, still doing the same thing. So how did that, how did that show change the game for you? I mean. In almost every way imaginable. I mean, you know, one minute I'm not on the radio, next right. minute I'm on the biggest fucking show on the planet in yeah. regards to hip hop, yeah. you know, while it was still getting bigger. It's yeah. not like I got on it when they were right, at right, the right. absolute pinnacle. Like mm -hmm. we rode, I, I got on the escalator a couple of stops up yeah. and just we just kept riding it. Yeah. And, brought, I, you know, the way we all gelled when I came in and became part of the crew, um, that also changed the way the show went, you know? Okay. Um, because of I, you know, there's such artists that they respect other people's art and they mm -hmm. respected what I was trying to bring to the table, and after I got my my foothold in there, you know, we became a team. Yeah. You know, at first I was just learning the ropes. Right, right, right. Um, but then yeah, you once start I to once, find your way. Yeah. How do I do this radio thing? Like it looked cool from the outside, but now what the fuck? I'm really on it, and yeah. these two dudes are not fucking around. Yeah. So I need to bring my, everything I got to the table. And um, it changed the game for me in a lot of ways, you know. I had never been like a team player mm. until that point. Okay. I was a soloist. I yeah. never was a part of a crew. Still not any part of any other crew ever. Right. Um, why, why is that? Um, kind of what we were talking about offline, man. I don't want anybody knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> and I don't want anybody sounding like me. Okay. I don't want to sound like anybody else. Yeah. Um, so if there's ideas that we have that we can collab on, Come on over to the studio. Let's build, and then you could be on your way. Okay. But you're not you're not part of my crew. Right. I'm not part of your crew. You know. Is that um, step outside yourself for a second? Is that has that helped you, hurt you, or neither? I think early on it really helped me because yeah. it definitely made me sound completely unique in whatever I was doing. Yeah. I don't I don't want to say it hurt me, but I definitely feel like I lost out on learning opportunities. And being a better artist and musician by not having right. that collaborative session with people or like learn, just building, you sure. know, um, a lot of that was immaturity. And I was just so nose to the grindstone, tunnel vision, got to got to get my weight up. Yeah. And I don't want anybody dragging me down because right. I, I didn't know anybody else. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, I also didn't want to, you know, be the tide that made all the other tugboats. Right. Rise to the top, you know, if I happen to be, sure. you know, blowing up and these these cats are riding coattails, I didn't want to have that happen either. Okay. But anyway, yeah, so, you know, once I was on the show for about a year, I started to figure a lot of things out about the music business. Mm. Um, what would you say was one of those big lessons? Is that you, if you don't capitalize on radio or an opportunity very quickly then all you are is that. You're just the radio. 
And I don't want to say that my situation was like any other DJ on the radio because it wasn't. We we had lives that were rooted in music outside that radio show. But sure. you know, um, I saw I've seen a lot of DJs be on important radio shows come and go. Yeah. You know, um, and they didn't make a name for themselves outside that radio show once they got on and then they quickly disappeared once that was gone so i learned that very quickly so as soon as i got on i started thinking about i need to i need to make records i need to be on people's records i need to collab with artists i need to be i need to keep on leapfrogging and building and you know being a part of the business because yeah. i was horrible at it man at, at the business i didn't want to be a part of the music business the music right. business sucks yeah you know, I was a DJ that just happened to get lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. And then they're like, hey, you can be on our show. And I'm like, this is fucking awesome. And then they're like, oh, but by the way, you also got to be in the music business. Right. So I had to learn that sure. very quickly. So, you know, being a part of the music business changed my whole life, learning from that. What do you think you learned from Sway and Tech? Man. What didn't I learn from Sway and Tech? I mean, yeah. these guys already had five years in the business on me before I even right. stepped out here. So, you know, they were doing major label deals in the Bay, winning battles, you know, already on the radio, going through a whole laundry list of things that I had never experienced. Sure. So it was like a crash course with like masters already at mm -hmm. it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I learned so much from tech in like the first two years that I met him and Prince Ice that I became like a completely different person. Mm. My, I, they're the first people that, uh, tech is the first person to introduce me to digital music production. Okay. Digital recording. Started, started teaching me about frequencies and EQs and all the stuff that he went to school for. That's um, big. What, uh, how to mix a record what to do with certain things, what frequency you need to, to tweak your snare at, you know, like um, how do you record the vocals? Or maybe you should, when you go out and DJ, maybe you should try this, try and do it this way. I mean, there's so, I, I could never stop talking about all the shit that I learned from tech. Yeah. Um, I still learn from tech. Sure. And, you know, um, you know, and I just learned so much from Sway on the human side. Because that guy is like, he's such a, a pure human being, you yeah. know, he's, and he just loves hip hop and just loves what he does. And I learned, a, a, I learned things from Sway that I could never learn from tech because Sway is such a people person. Sure. He's, you know, he's, a, he's the hip hop politician, hip hop mayor, you know. Yeah. Um, and I learned, I, I watched him bob and weave his way in and out of so many situations that I, there's no way I could have ever gotten in or out of that um, it gave me an education. It gave me, um, like, it was like uh, taking a course at college or something, you know, yeah. in, like, you know, human studies or social studies or human behavior and, like, how to, how to dodge this, how to duck that, how, what you should say, how you, when you should hold your tongue, when you should speak your mind, this and that, you know. I was, I still am to this day very high-headed and, you know, I... I wear it all on my sleeve and, uh -huh. you know, but that got me in trouble in the music business sure. early on. So yeah, they had to kind of take me in and be like, listen here, dude, this isn't, this is not the time and place for that. We need right, to wait right. for that, you know? So I learned politics. I learned um, very valuable life lessons a lot that uh, saved me from a lot of interesting situations. But can you, uh, 
I'm sure there are a lot, but give us a favorite memory from the wake-up show in those early days. Um, I mean, the one that I always talk about is when I, in my first time up there. It's when, you know, Tech was like, hey, man, come on down and um, play a couple of records. You just, well, it was kind of like a test, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, just do like a 20-minute set, no problem. I'm like, okay, cool. So I get a bunch of random records, like old school shit I'm going to play, and I'm just going to get up there and cut it up and have a good time. So I show up, and without any word from tech, I walk in, and there is Qbert, Mixmaster Mike, Apollo, Vin Rock, yeah. Babu, J-Rock, Repmatic, Shortcut, Mixmaster Mike, uh, Rock Raider, um, Rob Swift. Damn. I mean, everybody. Yeah. All in the same room. And they're all going to DJ and do battle routines. And Sway oh, wow. makes me goes first. Yeah. And on top of that, he gets up when I'm getting ready to go on. They had just recently become syndicated. And that's why they were looking to, you know, have another DJ come on. Because the guy that was on before me, Prince Ice, had to take on some other responsibilities for the show. So they were kind of auditioning. Okay. So I came on. And then Sway gets up. When I'm ready to go, he's like, yeah, but so-and-so doing his announcer thing. And then he's like, yeah, we're on in front of 8 million people in, you know, seven different cities. So, revolution, don't screw it up. Oh, shit. Go. And then I, he just, and I just had to go, you know. It was like sink or swim moment. Yeah. You know, how are you going to handle that? Yeah. So, that was my first time at the show. That was the first time I ever came up to so, meet them. So, what do you think? enable what what was it that allowed you to swim and not sink in that moment well i think that point was the moment that i realized it's so good that i have not been down with the crew i've been studying my craft in solitude for so long that mm. when someone gave me the chance i was fully ready to yeah. do everything not just dj i was ready to get behind the decks on a major radio station with people that I hadn't really met, but we had such tight common bonds. I was you know, ready to be a part of a team because I hadn't for so long. Mm -hmm. um, I was ready to do what I had been imagining myself doing for so long. Like It's been in the back of your head. When someone gives you that opportunity, you're just like, how can this not be what I'm going to do? How can I not nail this? You know, so everybody on that list you told me was auditioning. No, they weren't auditioning. They were there they were, performing. Oh, okay, they were doing a showcase. Okay, because you know it's interesting, man. Because a lot of those guys, you know, as long as I've known them, um, you know, they don't do radio shows. Right. You know, they're a lot of them are very, very specialized. You know, Qbert, Short. Yeah. You know, Shortcuts, a, a well-established club DJ, right. tours the world. But no radio, doesn't really do too many mixtapes, doesn't get in the studio with artists. And I was already at the time when I got on that show ready to do as well at all those other things that I just mentioned as I was DJing. So for that whole time leading up to me getting on the show, I was practicing my production skills yeah. by myself, practicing making multi-track mixtapes. And that's, that's one of the things that got me that audition mm -hmm. was one of my multi-track mixtapes. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had been practicing so much because I knew that whatever somebody gave me a chance at doing, I was going to do that shit to death. Right. 
and it was going to get me my shot. No matter what somebody gave me, I was going to do it and score a touchdown. So, you know, thinking about that, and I was watching uh, some old Master of the Mix, mm-hmm. you know, watching you on that show. Mm-hmm. And it was cool, but, it, you know, it was a weird show. Yo, it definitely was a weird show. Uh, and, I, you know, I have a few friends that were on it. And, like, but it's weird because the there were a bunch of whole different types of DJs. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Rich Medina, yep. you had you, you had Scratch, Scratch yep. you know, you had DJ Rap. Like, you know, I remember her, you know, I was friends with her and she was like, I don't even, why did they have me on that show? Like, right. It, it, a total mismatch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you think about, you know, you, you could even go beyond that show. There's so many different types of DJs. Like, the word DJ can mean so many different things. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And And, you know, Danny Tenaglia is the best with what he does, but that's an entirely different thing than yeah. what you do or Qbert, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. So, um, how do you how do you describe your style and, and your approach to DJ? Um, I think, I mean, it would be too vague for me to even say well-rounded, you know. Um, but I am the. I don't know, you know, when I when I have to introduce myself to people here at Scratch to new students and give them a breakdown of what I do and who I am, you know, there's a long list of things that I've done. Sure. Um, but I'm like the everything DJ. Okay. So, and when, I don't know, I just love everything so much. I didn't want to just do one thing. I yeah. never, that's why I never got into battles. I didn't want to just do that. I didn't want right. to spend seven months out of my year yeah, battle changing is super specialized, right? Right. You I didn't want to narrow it. I didn't want to be that narrow-minded when it came to what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Because what if that didn't work? You know, right. I wasn't going to be that guy that spent three years and change training for the Olympics, right? And then you know get in there and then come in fourth place. Yeah. I wasn't going to be that guy. So yeah. I learned to soak up knowledge wherever I found it. And incorporate it into what I do. You so know? you're the all-around player. Pretty much, that's that, that. That would be the best way to describe it. Yeah, because I mean, there's not really anything that I can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you gave me six months, I would be able to put that together a, a battle routine for sure. sure, and still get up there and, and hang with the best of them. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt about it. But I could also go to any radio station commercial, underground, whatever it is, and get on and not only be the DJ, I could probably program the station. Right. I could probably GM the station because I had so much experience in radio, you know? Same thing with, it's like, you know, the studio knowledge too. Recording, producing, mixing, all the stuff that I've learned. I didn't want to just be the DJ. It just got boring after a while. I got, you know... There's only so many times you could blend records together before it starts to get like, man, what else can I do here? Like, I'm there's sure. got to be something else to do here. So some some DJs kind of use that as a stepping stone to production. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, Most notable DJs anyway. You know, Premier, Pete right. Rock, Molly Maul, like, yeah. you know, even, you know, all the way up till now. Mm-hmm. Scratch, everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's a natural progression because once you start to understand what DJs do and how hip hop DJs, um, you know, started reinventing what the turntable was meant for, then you start to see, okay, this is how I can incorporate my ear into and my take on hip hop or music in general into producing. You know, like I like all the beats that these other guys are making, but I want to do my own thing. Yeah. 
So, so let me ask you this. So, so you're a great DJ. I've, I've seen it. I've heard it. <laughs> um, you know, we, we're talking about all these other great DJs. You're around hundreds or thousands of terrible to good DJs. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? What makes a great, what's the difference between a good DJ and a great DJ? Well, I think one of them we were already talking about, and that is being able to do a variety of things um, and have very open minds, um, you know, and that means in terms of music, in terms of being able to, there's so many new types. It's not just two turntables anymore, you know? Right. There's mixers that can do amazing things. There's, you know, uh, pieces that you can add to your setup that do incredible things. So incorporating technology, um, being a showman, um, being, um, you know, when you're on the decks, you know, connecting with the crowd. I mean, there's a lot of things that make a great DJ. There isn't really one thing that I could cite as a, the difference, but for me, ultimately, it's just experience. Yeah. It's just time, you know. Um, the difference between me having 30 years on and somebody that, even at 10 years has a level of mastery that's far above the beginner. Sure. That's extra 20 years I got, that is going to remain the gap between me and them forever. Yeah. And so that's kind of, you know, where I'm at with it. But, um, you know, great DJs do a variety of things. They're able to, to live the life and understand what you can do as a DJ. You know, you're, you're exposing music to people. You're the entry point to a lifestyle for a lot of people, you know. Um, I tell that to people here, you know, you're going to be the first time, you're going to be the first person that they've ever heard scratching. You know, yeah. younger kids that are turning 21 today are going <laughs> to go to a club tonight and hear scratching maybe for the first time. Right. It's going to be you. Do you want to be sloppy? You know, how much do you care about what so, you're doing? So dig into that because, you know, we're in this era where technology can do a lot of this for you. I guess could do all of it for you if yeah. you let it, right? And so, and you know, and we, when we were coming up, it was not uncommon to go into a club and hear some, hear a bad DJ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I think that's, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm not in the clubs that much, but like, it's a lot less common. I think the average is better. Forget about skill, but it sounds better, mm. right? Because you can, because the technology can help you beat match. You know, you don't hear train wrecks the way you used to. You don't hear, right? Like, and so yes and no because okay. I definitely am in the clubs a lot more. I'm sure you're a lot more than I am. Um, and you know, I have people here and so many DJ friends that always report back to me. You know, yeah. that's that's kind of like yeah, my yeah, job is to make tell them, hey, when you go out, I need the reports, man. Who did yeah. you see and yeah. how was it? Yeah. And um, so you, in, in regards to what you're saying, I, I, I would agree that the ratio of train wrecks to good mixes is better, probably, yeah. um, because it's been around a lot longer. And they've, we've, we as a community have had time to hone it, perfect it, right. break it down as a science. And it's also penetrated mainstream culture in a way that it hadn't when we were coming up. Sure. So... We had well, to fight a lot harder to get that mix right. Of course. Well, so, and people that are learning from you, you know, you had to learn it from listening to mixtapes. Right, listening, time. Figure mm -hmm. it out, right? Kid Capri wasn't there to show you. 
oh, what to do, right. right, and correct you when you're wrong. Right. But you're standing here over my shoulder helping them go through it. Yeah, so, whole, I mean, so, take, it, so it advances the art. No yeah, question, definitely. Right? But taking that away from it, you know, even if that wasn't the case, even if there was no DJ schools anywhere on the planet, there's enough on the internet, there's yeah, enough yeah, DJs sure. in clubs, there's enough Definitely. clubs where, you know, that is a, a hot commodity, you yeah. know, billing a DJ with a top name that has some skill. Right. There's yeah, enough. there's so much more access. You can see it a lot, you know, whereas I didn't, couldn't see it a lot. Even when I was old enough to get into the clubs, yeah. I would go and see the same shit you would see. I'd be like, man, this shit is whack. That so, dude's terrible, <laughs> you know? So... I think because people are seeing it over and over again at a certain level, the bar has been raised. But, you know, I don't want to let that get in the way of what has gone on, which is there are so many people who are comfortable just being at the bar level. So that's my question is, is if you can sound, you can get away with being good enough. Right. That's what's happening. That's so, it, exactly it. So what, what do you tell students or young DJs that you meet? Like, why should they work that much harder to be great? Well, I don't know. You know, sometimes I have a hard time reconciling that, man, and how to break that down to people because when I decided, you know, you asked me earlier when did I decide it was going to be my career, it wasn't even about me deciding it was going to be my career. It was going to be what I was going to do for the rest of my life, life. whether it was my career or not, yeah. you know? So that is where my path diverges with a lot of these younger generations and even people that are in my generation and previous they didn't have that they're like i'm cool i just want to be a dj i can make some money i can have you know i can drink on the job i can talk to hot chicks i can do i can travel that's good enough that was never my intent my intent was i'm going to take this as far as i can possibly take it i want to be the absolute best of all time undisputed, hands down, and I will not stop until every person on the planet tells me that. <laughs> that, was, that was me. Okay. You yeah. know? So yeah, yeah. I don't have people that come in here with that as a goal. Right. So it's, sure. you know, I have to tell them, like, so you're asking me, you know, people who want to be just good enough, how do I explain to them that that isn't enough? And um, it's very hard because my answer would be, well, you know, it's like, okay, so you take a cooking class or you take a, a knitting class or whatever, right? You take it for a year, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't at the end of the year, and all your friends know you've been taking it, right? Your whole family knows, your friends, your girl, your whatever, your kids, everybody knows you've been taking a cooking class. Right. And all you do is talk about the cooking class. You go out and you, you know, eat all the time and you sample and you do homework and it's your life for a full year. You're getting ready to graduate. You get, you get your certificate. You go and you're like, hey, everybody, I'm having a big celebratory meal. Come on over. I'm going to cook for everybody. And it's a big shindig. And then you get to the meal and, you, and I eat your food and it is just average. Right. Sure. So my point is, if you're going to spend time on something... Why not spend time to be great at whatever it is you're spending your time doing? That's how I break it down to them. And that's, you know, the difference, again, between a good and a great DJ is that the great DJ is going to spend more time, go the extra length Mm -hmm. to line up that mix perfectly instead of just letting them kind of 
right. flop around in the mix. Yeah. The, the, good, the great DJ is going to take the time to curate the perfect playlist. Mm -hmm. The average DJ is just going to get a bunch of songs that are the same BPM and just kind of wing it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's very hard to explain that to people who have no idea what I'm talking about because that's not a part. The DJ is you not know, attached to, to the culture that we grew up on like right. it yeah, sure. now. It's not. Sure. It's detached. And, and now that I hear it, I think, I don't think you can explain that to people. I think people, it, I think because it's about what you're in it for. If you went to cooking school because you were trying to be the next Wolfgang Puck, right? That's a whole different game. Right? Then just taking it. Oh yeah, I think I want to see. Oh, this wanna, looks cool. I want to do wanna that. Make something cool for my wife or whatever. Right. right? Or like, yeah, I want to be able to DJ my parties. Right. My own parties. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. You know we can do that too. Yeah. But that's not where I come from. Right. 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 Yeah. So me and you, we're only gonna go so far. For sure. And that is happening. That has happened with so many of my peers and so many of my friends that I've seen come up in the DJ world. They stop. Right. They stop chasing it down. So know? what What makes you keep going? The same thing that, you know, started me off. Number one is my love for what I do. You know, I, I love music like, you know, it just is, you know, it's yeah. my life. Yeah. Um, and what I, I now know that I can do with this music on the production side, on the DJ side, I've gotten to a level where I know that I can do anything that I want. Anything I can imagine, I can do it. So that's what keeps me going. I have the knowledge, I got the skill, um, I have a name and a brand that I can you know, use to help propel all those ideas into the world. So why wouldn't I stop? And that's the thing that confuses me about a lot of the DJs is that like, they, they have a lot of the same things that I just mentioned and they're just comfy. They're cool just playing a couple of gigs a week. Right. You know, they don't want to make any music. They don't want to do anything interesting. They don't want to flip it up in a new way. They don't want to, I, I, I don't know, man. Maybe they just stopped. Maybe they never had the same dream. And mm -hmm. this is, again, you know, maybe this is my fault for assuming that everybody that came up as a DJ back in the day right. had the same ideas that I did. Sure. But, you know, it's like the kid who was playing baseball you know, since he was five, finally gets a shot in the major league. Is he just going to get in the major leagues and just bat the fucking ball? Or is right. he going to be the, the next big shit? Is he going to be the next Derek Jeter? Is he going right. to be like, you know, go down in the Hall of Fame? Because that's sure. what I'm trying to do, go down in the Hall of Fame. So uh, that seems like a, I mean, I get it. And also it seems exhausting. It is exhausting. And so are there moments when you can, do you get to feel like, okay, I've accomplished, maybe I'm not, maybe not done, but like I've accomplished what I've set out to do? Yeah, yes and no, you know, because as time goes on and you continue to do this, new things come up that you want to accomplish, sure. yeah, yeah, new yeah, ideas. Yeah. But, you I'm know, asking, do, like, do, you, do, you get to, do you get to celebrate along the way? Yeah, you definitely get to celebrate along the way. There's, you know, if, if I didn't get, you know, victories along the way, I definitely would not be doing it sure. the same way, yeah. you know. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just built differently or I'm just deranged. I don't know. Maybe I'm just insane. But my my drive is just nonstop. Yeah. It is just nonstop. And, you know, to, you know, a lot of people aren't able to be in a position where they can choose where they're like, hey, all right, I'm going to stop 
doing gigs for a while. I'm just going to work here. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, I'm working here for a, a, a bunch of years, but I'm getting more out of it than just work here. Right. Right. This is feeding my soul. It's educating me, making me a better person, better DJ for sure. Um, and I don't know why that when I'm looking around, I see these things and all my other peers don't. Maybe they do. Maybe they're just looking at me like I'm an idiot. It is, it is tiring, man, because sure. it never stops. Yeah, I go from here back to my studio. I wake up the next day, do something completely different. Um, Are you still doing the cut? Still doing the cut, yeah. Okay. It's been on hold nice. for a couple of weeks. but um, Man, I watched the Crazy Tunes uh, Yeah, that's a episode. funny one. That's a good one. You know, Tunes was a, you know, you know I was managing Dub C. Yeah, yeah. I spent three years with those dudes, mm-hmm. and, you know, I love that dude. And yeah. yeah, he was a great dude, man. Yeah. He was, man. I just, um, it was just so that funny. That was cool to watch. It was just so funny being able to show somebody like that. Yeah. You know, somebody that I grew up, you know, looking at as part of a world that I wanted to get into. And then all of a sudden he's at my house and I'm showing him a whole bunch of shit. It was, it was again, the, there's the victories. You know, yeah. there's the things that I can say, I accomplished that. Or sure. I did this. Like, yeah. I was on first hip-hop DJ mix show on the network, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's things like that I can say. Yeah. But there's nothing, you know... There's nothing to me that says, all right, you're done. This is it. You know what I mean? Like, cash out. If you're enjoying this one, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out my interview with DJ Hoppa, also from the Scratch Academy. Hoppa was actually a two-parter. We got into some really deep personal stuff about some health challenges that have uh, he's been going through throughout his life and how he's adapted to that. And also... You know, what it's like being a teacher and bringing so many young, new uh, DJs into the game. Great interview there. And of course, let's finish up now with DJ Revolution. So so what, what's next? Um, a lot of things, man. You know, I'm working on a lot of stuff in the studio. I think, you know, I've learned so much here in the six years and change that I've been teaching. Skill-wise, um, production related stuff yeah um business stuff that i'm ready to do something something big it's got to be big you know i go through these things about every 10 years it just builds up man okay and so an album comes out nice you know or a project comes out yeah. you know i took a couple of years off from doing dj tours because i needed to well quite honestly i needed to put some money on the books for the government so i could buy a house sure you know, they need to see some recorded in, in, income. Yeah, DJs yeah, yeah. don't really like to record income. That's important. So, you know, there's a victory for me. You know, buying yeah. a house was a big deal for me because it's, it's, it's pretty hard as a DJ unless you're, you know, fucking Calvin Harris. You sure. Know, um, to just, you know, be able to, you know, walk in and buy a house. It's yeah. tough. You know, yeah. even an average person with a regular income has a hard yeah, time yeah. buying a house. So Definitely. for me, it was like, Man, I was just fighting this uphill battle. Mm-hmm. So finally being able to do that was cool. So, you know, now that that's accomplished, I got my studio back up and running. You know, things are, things are in motion. Nice. Um, but whatever I got to do, it's got to be groundbreaking and earth-shattering because I don't, I don't see myself being able to continue to grow if I just keep doing the same thing <coughs> I've been doing. I'm good. Yeah. Everybody knows I'm good. That's great. Uh-huh. I can scratch my ass off. I can play great gigs and make nice beats. My problem is that I set the fucking bar so high for myself. I have to constantly do that, you know? 
It sucks, man. Somebody was explaining this. I think it was like I was watching some TED talk or something, but it's like, you know, once Superman shows up as Superman, <laughs> the motherfucker always has to be Superman. You can't just walk around as Clark Kent anymore. You don't get a day out. Yeah, it's like, you, you better show up as Superman. So that kind of sucks, you know, for me, because, <laughs> you know, there's this thing that comes attached to me. You know, it's like, I'm Mr. Hip Hop. I'm dope DJ, great scratching, excellent production. Like, I can't slack off in any area. Sure. Because people expect yeah. what I would expect from other people. So... Yeah, if you have an off night and people came to see you. I better, I better have sure. some standard. My standard better be gold standard next to somebody else's. Right. So not to say that I don't like it. I'm, I've been doing this for so long that it's so easy for me to push the limit. You know? Oh, it feels like you like it. You know, I love it. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, it's great. I'm comfortable out of my comfort zone. You know, I operate better under pressure. Under, uh, That's everything under the goals that I got for myself. So it's it's very good, but it it's hard. It's not I'm not gonna lie, it's hard. You know, trying to balance that with a family life is pretty tough too, you know? For sure. So So you uh you know, you were talking earlier about working with <clears throat> young kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pretty clear what they get from you. Mm -hmm. What do you get from them? Man, I a lot of things, man. I get an edge that a lot of my peers don't get. Mm. Um I get an edge, I get a peek into a world um, that a lot of my peers don't get. I see where it's going before they do. I so see give, where they're give, coming give me from. A, give me one peek. What's, what's so, um, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier, you know, um, students that I work with in here privately or even in a group setting, you know, even it'll be just as simple as them mentioning an artist's name three or four times that I might not have heard of and no one else sure. has heard of. I'll go do the research. Boom. I know about some shit that maybe no, nobody else knows about. That's how things happen, yeah. you know. The you know the the little pumps or the the ski master slump gods of uh -huh. the world, you know. I knew yeah. about those a long time before mainstream America did because of YouTube kids. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's just one way. That's not the only way, but yeah. you know, they're doing things with the internet that a grown person's mind wouldn't think to do. But now they're showing me how to think like a 12-year-old all over again or a 15-year-old. Yeah. To say it's okay to do things um, as a grown person with that mentality has really changed the way I've operated in the last two or three years. It's, I know, think that's so important. I mean, especially, you know, especially in that <clears throat> environment of, of social media and, yeah. and all that, that, you know, that stuff is made... For 15-year-olds. Yeah, definitely. And they're the, they're the ones that are going to be at the front, you know, the front edges of all that stuff. And so being able to spend time with those people on a daily basis. Yeah, is, just see how they big. live and, and breathe in that world, you yeah. know, which is not to say unfamiliar to me, but they live in it in a completely different way. We, as older people, live in it because we are forced into it, right. you know. Um, we're catching up. Yeah. We're always behind. Yeah, and I got tired of it, you know. So I started paying attention to it. I started asking why, and anytime they want to interrupt a lesson to watch some dumb shit on YouTube, I'm right there. I'm having a ball with them. Like, we just go off on a tangent. Whoa, whoa, check out this meme. Hey, have you heard of this guy? Nope. Let's go stop doing what we're doing and check out that artist or do whatever because that's my job as a yeah. DJ, right? Yeah. It's to take their information and transfer it and put it through my megaphone, you know? That's um, cool. So... 
you know, and also incorporate that knowledge into how I can help myself still grow in the future as an artist and a musician, man, because I'm not just a DJ, you know? And I'm not just a, I don't make scratch music, you know? I make fucking hip hop music. Like, this is the music that I love and I live and I breathe it. Now, to begin with, here are some expressions you will use most often. And a lot of times, people come in here, or even just people that know me from here, they don't know where I come from. Sure. You know what I mean? They don't know the history. They don't know what's attached to me. And, you know, they think I'm just the cool DJ instructor here. You know, that's not that's not it. Sure. And, you know, um, I have to keep feeding that part of me, which is so much more important than this part of me. You know what I mean? So, because that part of me keeps me afloat. When shit gets rough, like you said, it gets exhausting. Yeah. But I know what I'm capable of, and that just kind of keeps pushing me forward. Nice. So, all right, I got to do a little lightning round before we get out okay. of here. Okay. All right. So, tell me one decision to change your life forever. Moving to Los Angeles in the mid '90s, that was just probably the biggest decision of my life at that time. And you know, um, man, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but the rest is history. After that, you know, like I, I don't know what the fuck I'd be doing if that didn't happen. Yeah. You know? So that's probably the biggest one. Okay, complete this sentence for yourself. Oh, God. I don't have talent. I have blank. I don't have talent. Now, you're, you're asking me to say this as, as if I was saying it? Yeah. Mm, that's hard, man. I don't have talent. I have an unstoppable will to succeed. That's big. So if I worked for you, or, you know, we worked together... Uh, what's something that I would hear you say over and over? I have an unstoppable will to know. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, um, slow down and take your time to get it right. Who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? Mm, you know what's funny, man, is I found out the I always find out the weirdest people are fans of my work. Oh, man. yeah? People just come through the door. Like, you know, I get clients from the entertainment business in here all the time and you know music business and I'm just they'll come in here with like albums for me to sign and shit and it would surprise the shit out of me to find out that Donald Trump was a fan (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would be that would be I think the ultimate surprise man although he you know he used to hang out with with uh maybe not like maybe not the underground but he hung out with hip-hop at one point yeah You know, yeah, those well, days are behind him. Long behind him. But yeah, that would be, I don't know if there would be anyone that would surprise me more. Or maybe if like Dalai Lama. Okay. You know, like yeah, yeah. people like that. Because you never know. That's one thing that I've learned is that you never know. Because I've been on the radio shows, was on the air for 20 years and got yeah. syndicated and taped and bootlegged. I mean, it, it got, my name got everywhere. And then I have all these albums and projects and stuff, so... And I'm associated with so many different people. Some people will bring in stuff that I forgot I did like 15 years ago. It's going to be like, damn, this was, man, I listened to this a thousand times. So. Nice. 
Yeah, with Donald Trump popped well, up. Well, your names definitely come up on the show. I think we. I think I found. I think I've had five people mention you, mm. and uh, and uh, two. Well, I'll tell you in a minute. I'm not gonna tell you that way. All right. Uh, what's your favorite city to travel to? Hmm, that's that's a good question. Um, I don't know, man. I I have two. Um, the first was Sydney. Oh wow. Um, I've been there ten times. Um, stayed there like weeks at a time, every time. Have really good friends. Great culture there. Um, art. It's beautiful. Amazing beaches. You can get in the car and be in the Blue Mountains in two hours. You can go nice. caving. You can go, I mean, there's so much to do in Australia, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Sydney. And I think um, Zurich, mm. uh, Switzerland, is also one of my favorites because it's got the, the modern Swiss with the old European style. And it's, it's very a beautiful like, city. You know, like you go to the, the old part of town and it's just like, fuck, I'm back in, yeah. you know, the you know feudal Europe days, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you go across the town, and then there's like the most modern buildings being built. There's billions of dollars in banking being done over yeah. there, and it's like, it's super modern. It's also very beautiful. So, yeah, those are probably my two favorite cities. Okay, what's the last great book you read? Um, the last great book I read was actually The Big Payback. Oh yeah, Dan Charnas. Dan Charnas, we love um, Dan. So, you know, it's funny, I had known him for so long, and when he was writing that book, we were all just like, whatever, man, you're writing the book, whatever. I read, yeah. You know, like, but, and then when it came out, I just, it was such a mammoth book, yeah. I just didn't have the time to read it. Right. So years later, I get through it, and I'm just like, fuck, that is just a mind-blowing trip through my life. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't read it 10 years ago when it came out, because so much more has happened since that came out that makes me understand the things in that book a lot better. Mm. I have a greater insight to it now than I would have 10 years ago. Oh, I got to go out. back to it. I got it on the shelf. It's very, very interesting because, you know, I'm doing a lot of business for myself, starting yeah. companies, watching people come and go. Some of the people that are in that are, you know, not here anymore sure. on the planet, you yeah. know. So it was very interesting yeah. after the fact. That's cool. So, but it was an awesome book, though. Yeah, that's a good Amazing. one. Amazing. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah, um, somebody else. Somebody reminded me about it. One of my one of my students reminded me, oh, and yeah. I was like, "Oh shit, I know that guy." Nice. I need to go revisit that. So yeah, it was great. What movie have you seen the most in your life? <laughs> wow. Um, I want to say, and my kids have helped me with this because they just no matter what generation, you can't get enough Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm, that's a great book movie i mean that i mean yeah. i've been watching that since it came out i went to, i remember seeing that in the theater yeah, just me too. mind blown vhs came out just wore it out to death you know all the other ones i was going to see them in like retro theaters when they would do like flat you know flashback dollar movies or uh -huh. whatever i'd be there in the line checking out that and now you know first time my kid was able to i felt like my kid was able to grasp what was happening on the screen, I, I put him in front of it. was like, meet Indiana Jones. And <laughs> life changed. You know what wow, I mean? That's cool. So, yeah, I probably have watched that. And that's a good one. It might be another Spielberg movie. It might be The Goonies. Okay. After that. Yeah. So. It's fun. Yeah. Who's your favorite DJ? Hmm. I used to be an easy question, man. And that's a whole different conversation. But um, I think... 
I don't know. I, th- I still think I still think Jazzy Jeff is my favorite DJ. Um, but it's close, man. Jazzy Jeff and Premier definitely mm-hmm. are just a one-two punch for me, man, because they're the, the most influential DJs in my life. Um, number one, Jazzy Jeff for performing and innovation, making records at a time when nobody else was doing what he was doing, yeah. you know? Um, reinventing the wheel. Um, and then, you know, Premier around 1990 when he started to really invent the scratch hook. Yeah. That just changed my whole life. Yeah. It just just blew me away, you know? Uh, and to see him translate, him being a part of a group that was already good and having him be a great DJ already and then to have him go off and do his own separate production career yeah. was like, fuck, I need to be that guy. That's... Yeah. That's if you want to trace back where I'm from and why I do all the things that I do, it's because of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be Jazzy Jeff. Who does a DJ that want, that's starting to DJ now want to be? That's the difference between me and the DJs that stop chasing down a dream. Sure. The DJs that are going to that are cool, just working in a bar three, four nights a week and just you know kicking back and getting a pet and chilling, you know? Like, I'm not cool with that. I'm trying to still be Premier. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to be Jazzy Jeff. I, I must be them. I have to be them, you know? So those are, I don't know, I, I answered your question with two names, but no, that was, if, I had, to, if I had to name one, it would be Jeff. Well, Jeff's been our number one answer for sure. Yeah, I mean, it used to be a clear, clear answer, you know? Like, there was no question about that, you know? Um, but, you know... As I got older and be able to, and have been able to do a, a variety of things because of how much of an influence Premier was on me, and only because of Premier. If it was only Jazzy Jeff, I would not be yeah. doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I would not be the same DJ. So that's why I have to put him up. Well, there. two people have have given you as their favorite DJ. Nice. Uh, XL. Nice. And Bishop Lamont. Oh, nice. All right, cool. All right, yeah. well, that doesn't count. They're both my friends, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> it they, does. I'll but, take it, but, man. It's great. They, it's awesome. they had a lot of people to choose from. No, I sure. love it, man. I mean, you know, it's definitely motivation. And again, this is why I have to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. When someone names you as their favorite anything, even yeah. if it's your, you know, like, you're my favorite uncle, you better keep being a good fucking uncle. That's right. You know? Because like, yeah. you don't want to have him show up one day and not be the favorite uncle anymore. That's right. That's a shitty feeling, man. So, you know, to go from that's someone's great. favorite DJ to not their favorite DJ anymore, that's a, it seems like not much, but that's a far way to fall. Yeah. That is a long way to go down, and I'm not going down that road. So, It's so funny you said that. Uh, not, to, not the same at all, but... I had, we did a live show recently, and I, I had Ali Shaheed Muhammad on mm-hmm. stage, and the guy, my friend, introduced us, and he said, this is Josh Levine, my favorite podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. it, and Nice. And, like, it was equally amazing to hear and also really uncomfortable. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, shit, now, like, I was just doing it. You know what I mean? Right. And now it's like, now I got something I'm supposed to live up to. Right, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. how can you stop? And so yeah. there, the rocket must sure. keep going. And so, you know, like 10 years ago when I, when I was putting out King of the Decks, um, you know, Premier came on the Wake Up Show and he was talking about me and how 
much he loved how I DJed and how I scratched and how my style and sound was so unmistakable. Yeah. And he could pick it out anywhere. And he was my fa- and I was his favorite. And I was like, okay, fuck. <laughs> now I've got somewhere. Yeah. You know, I broke ground. Right. And you know, and then. So I'm like, okay, I need to take that and use that as fuel. Makes so I you took go that harder. segment from the show, put it on the album, and scratched him saying that on a beat. Yeah. That, fast forward about nine months after the album came out, my album was number one on his top 20 list for that year when it came out. Incredible. So that's why I can't stop, because I need yeah. to keep having moments like that. Yeah. You guys can have Coachella be your fucking your moment. You know, you can, I made it to Coachella. I played it. Uh Uh-uh. I need to have my fucking favorite DJs and my idols tell me that I'm doing the right shit. That I'm, that, you know, I put out music that they can bump, that they think is dope. You know, that I'm having a a bigger impact than, because to me, I played a lot of bigger festivals. Before festivals were cool here, I was doing them in Europe. And you get great satisfaction from the energy that you're hearing and feeling from the crowd, but if they don't really know it's who different. you are, it's replaceable. Yeah. You, they, they might not even remember you or your name unless you did something fucking amazing. Yeah, they just remember they had a good time. Right, yeah. and that's cool. I didn't get into this for that. I got into this because I'm good enough that I need to make you remember me. Mm. Remember my music, remember my style, remember what I said, you know. The same way that Jazzy Jeff and Premier and Scratch and all the people that I grew up idolizing did to me. I still teach people that are beginning their DJ uh, careers and their scratching careers or whatever it is that you want to call it, stuff that these guys were doing in 87, 88, sure. 90, 90, 91, and these people can't even, yeah. can't come close to it. So I need to last. I need to be in the history books. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when my favorite DJs can tell me that, that I'm their favorite, you know. I got a, um, I got Jazzy Jeff's signature on my like this wall of fame that I got in my studio, and his manager at the time also signed it, and he signed it as "Peace to my favorite DJ's favorite DJ." Yeah. So that's that cool. to me, you know, to have those little moments like that where it's like, oh shit, yeah, that's big. You know, yeah. when I the first time I met Jeff was when I, I went to a studio in Philly. And I went to a studio, we're hanging out, I'm still in awe, you know? He showed me his, like, DMC uh, New Music Seminar plaques and all that shit. And I was just like, I was, a, I was a fanboy moment. Then we got in his car, and my album was in his car <laughs> playing on his favorite song. Amazing. So shit like that makes me keep going. Yeah, that's, that's When fuel. you say it's exhausting, it's never exhausting no, enough for me to stop fuel. that, you yeah. know? So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, long Rev, man, I appreciate you. This is fun. Yeah, long, long, long-winded answers, man. No, no, that's great. Thank you for doing this. Oh man, my pleasure, man. I'm glad I can talk about it. It definitely helps to you know get all this stuff, you know, clean out the closet space. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just get it out in the open. Yeah, yeah, for you sure. You know, talk to sure. somebody that knows about it and, and has been down with it forever, and you know, knows the same people in, in my circle, and yeah, you know, yeah. we all have the same kind of um, common ground. You know, yeah. so anytime that there's an opportunity for me to do that, plus I know you know people. People fuck with what you're doing and, you know, it's important for me to not just be here speaking my mind to a, you know, this closed off <laughs> yeah, world course, here, you course. know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I get to do it on the radio a lot, you know, I got two radio shows, but I don't do a lot of talking on those shows. Sure. So, yeah, yeah this is fun, man. That's cool, man. Good Appreciate shit. Appreciate it. Um, if people want to stay up with you, 
How do they find you? Um, you can go to uh, thecutspace.com. That's where um, you can download and stream all my sh- um, podcasts from The Cut. Mm-hmm. Um, got some big things in the works with that. Um, probably going to end up taking it somewhere else to a bigger platform. Um, you can listen to Shade 45 every Monday night at 7 p.m. Cali time and uh, New York time on Thursday right before Sway show in the morning. Nice. Um, Instagram is just DJ Revolution. Twitter is the same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, uh, you know, or you can just walk in the door at Scratch over there and just come chop it up with you, man. That's right. Come into Scratch Academy, get, yeah. get schooled. Get tested, man. Get I tested and see where you're at. I love it. Uh, that's dope, man. Shout out DJ Revolution. I hope you enjoyed that one. I know I did. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Some comments on Twitter or Facebook. It's at Rebel Radio Net. Make sure you check out our YouTube page for video snippets from all of our episodes. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.